Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today is episode 81, and we're going to be interviewing Selena Kay. How are you, Selena? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well also. Glad to hear that you're, uh, you're doing well. So let's get the party started and dive in. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Okay. So my issue, my main issue was um, I was born with a club foot. And so um, I had total of like 21 surgeries. So like every summer, so I wouldn't miss school, I had um, a, a surgery done. And um, my parents were divorced. Um, my mom worked away. So I basically, I'm sorry, I'm having, a, I might sound weird because I failed because of the leg, my lips a little swollen, but. No, you sound perfectly crystal clear. <laughs> so anyway, I, I lived with my grandparents and. Um, was there a you, reason you lived with your grandparents? Uh-huh. What was I, the reason? Because my my parents got divorced when I was two. And my mom worked um, a couple hours away in the city. And they didn't want her to take. I have another. I have a sister. They really didn't want her to take us up there with really no one to watch us you know to be close so um we stayed there and they came and got us on the weekend or she came back home on the weekend sorry and so I've spent probably from the time I was five or so living with my grandparents and they had a farm. It, you know, I had a great, I was great as far as growing up. Um, just went to a small school and just had all the normal experiences on the farm and things. And was your dad around? No, no. My dad, um, I didn't see much of him. He lived in this in the same town that I lived in, but um, he really wasn't there. He didn't have a lot to do with him. He um, he he was an alcoholic, and so um, his drinking was more important than than his kids. So. That's another reason I think my grandparents took us in is for more stability, you know, so. Do you have any memories of dad being an alcoholic or were you too young? No, I do. I do. I do. What kind of memories? Because growing up in a small town, you know, of course there, there are, um, Seeing him at, um, well, one example is we have a local um, celebration there where I grew up and there's a, they have a rodeo for three days and it's, a, you know, parades and it's a great big um, in July every year. And he was on the committee for that. So, um, yeah, many times I would run into him there and he, you know, he was totally wasted and he would come up and talk, but that, you know, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. He could barely walk. So anyway, um, that's a memory I have. Um, my mom was really good to let him come on Christmas morning. Um, he was always either still drunk or 
hungover at the time that he came. So, yeah, most of my memories, he's gone now. And, but they are around the alcoholism. Most, most of them. Do you have any other memories of dad drinking? I have memories of just from a small, being in a small town, um, just basically gossip about, you know, who I, who my dad was. And it kind of like, I don't know, this is just an example when I decided to get married, I was 18, which is crazy for the first time. And I had people in the town tell um, my my husband-to-be, oh my gosh, you know, you don't want to marry her. Her dad's an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. And, and so... You know, I had this stigma of all that growing up, you know, the knowing what he was doing and not just the drinking, but having affairs with people that <laughs> he shouldn't have been. But because the, the town I grew up in was like, 3,000 people, you know, and super small. And so, you know, we had to live with a lot of like trauma from things that he did because of his alcoholism. Besides things like that, are there any other traumatic events that stand out? Um, trying to think one time going back to the rodeo thing that was a celebration I was with I was married then and I was with my um brother and sister-in-law and we saw my dad coming and he um you know, you could see him staggering towards us. And I was like, oh, no, you know, please, mm -hmm. let's go the other way. But um, he came right up to, to us and so trashed and said, what did you think about that? And we just kind of like, and then he just walked away, you know, went on his merry way. and. I just tried to like laugh it off a little bit, but um, yeah, it was tough. And there was, there was another event, this, sorry, I'm not, whoops. I'm not sure if this is to do with his alcoholism or just his character, but um he had an affair with a lady from town that everyone knew that was going on. And um, he had a child with her. And so we, me and my sister had to kind of grow up with that going on, living in the same town and knowing he was our half brother and never really acknowledging it but even my kid okay so even my kids that went to the same high school that I did they were aware of it because he was called his name's Tori and he was called they would call him Tori Tully which was my maiden name and so it was like my my kids were traumatized about it as well. 
So yeah, it was a, a tough time. How was life at school? You know, um, life at school was okay. I had the issues with my leg, um, but my grandparents were fantastic to live with. Um, I still did, like, I was on the drill team despite my deformity, and so my high school years were were really really good like i say i, I just kind of sorry I just, okay. <laughs> just kind of a, kind of put the dad issue in a box and locked it up is, is what i always say Manny, shh. so anyway but i had a pretty normal high school you know, experience being, like I say, being on the drill team, dating a little. Um, I dealt with my leg with the pain and stuff. Um, but so your leg. So for people, you mentioned to me, so people listening and watching, you are an amputee. Correct, below the knee on the left side. And what that's... kind of difficulties did it give you? Hmm. What kind of difficulties did you face? I mean, for someone that doesn't know about that okay. stuff. So like, like I mentioned before, until I reached um, probably my high school years, when I was 15 or so, um, I had a surgery done pretty much every summer so they could so I didn't miss school, but they kept trying to fix it and fix it and fix it. And that continued, you know, so um, I overcome a lot with just like, you know, when school started again, I was pretty much over the surgery. So I was able to do pretty in high school, um, pretty much normal things in, um, I remember in elementary school being on crutches and people having to carry my lunch tray and things like that. But, um, as I got older, the surgeries kind of slowed down. Um, but the pain did not ever stop. My leg was totally my foot was totally deformed. A club foot is what I was born with. And it, it actually turns, turns in, you know, kind of like that instead of being flat. And um, my leg was two inches smaller than the shorter than the other one. And so just like bone. I didn't have any muscle. I just had just, just pretty much the bone and skin. And so school, you know, it was hard. It, <laughs> I look back now and I'm going like, hmm, I was pretty brave, I guess, to be on the drill team because the deformity was pretty much pretty defined but I just didn't let it stop me at that point you know and I I kind of still don't even since my amputation but um so years and years and years of surgeries and pain and you know embarrassment but I just moved past it I thought I really thought but I don't believe that I did I think once again I have the ability which is not good to just lock hard things away and so this was something that you were kind of embarrassed about during high school at your oh, absolutely. you know you know how it goes if you yeah. if you 
might look different, if you might be whatever. Um, oh yeah, it 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 was embarrassing every single day, and but I did things that I was surprised that I was able to do because I I have a part. <laughs> I'm just super stubborn, and I thought. I'm going to live as normal of a life as I can. But um, every time I went out to perform on the drill team or do any of that, it was like, yeah, it was horrible. I thought about it the whole time. I'm like, I, I'm kind of like a freak. I look like a little bit of a freak here, but I kept doing it. So anyway, that shows strong character. Not everyone's able to do stuff like that. I have, yeah, I have a strong, I have a strong character. Um, and it's good and bad. You know, I'm very stubborn, but sometimes that's not always been a good thing. <laughs> but yeah. it, so it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I decided early on that I wanted to, you know, fit in and be as normal as I could. But, um, yeah, it's just, so I did. But (laughs) when you were really young, what did they do to help you with pain relief? So I really don't remember, like, being... When I was super young, I'm sure they gave me pain medicine. But as I got older, um, then I do remember that. That started my addiction. Was all of the pain medicine that I was given after every surgery, like once a year, sometimes twice a year, I had surgery until I was um, probably 45. And that's when I had the amputation done. But um, backing up to the pain medicine, the addiction started there from the from all the surgeries and um it was horrible i as i don't know i did things that every addict does um that are that we're not proud of um when i didn't have the medication i would find it somehow so I was either like taking it from a family member or finding it somehow I would say that I was hurt and go to the emergency room so I would get some at that point they were more lenient with giving out the pain medicine than than they are now thank goodness that they do not do that like they did because um, I could easily get it. I would just say, oh, I fell down the stairs or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it just knowing um, any family member that may have been, had a prescription of it, I like found a way to take some. And it was, it ruined my whole life. It did for, for so many years. And um, yeah, that's what started me on that. And, you know, luckily I didn't move to super more um, street drugs. I just kind of kept with the opioids and found a way to get those um I did drink also so um 
I came to kind of a crossroads when I had my um, decided to have my amputation because what age what age did you start exhibiting those behaviors where you would lie to go to the emergency room and things like that oh I would say early 20s okay so you were a little bit older it wasn't in like during school or anything no no um during school I didn't really have those um the tendencies of addiction. It was um, just in the summer when you got the surgeries. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had I had the medication and I I felt like I was lucky at first because I didn't have the addiction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> or, and so I thought, I'm gonna be okay. But as more surgeries went on, more medicine was prescribed you know it i wasn't i wasn't lucky i became addicted and um when the medicine stopped from the surgeries um i still needed it and so i found ways to get it which were horrible ways going back a little bit what was it like once you graduated high school? What did you do with your life? Well, unfortunately, I got married right at 18. Yeah. To, and I was married to this guy for 32 years. And he was verbally abusive. And, you know, my... I had three children with him and I just, I just stayed and toughed it out because I guess that was in my DNA. You know, I had done that from having to deal with all of the surgeries and things. So I married him, stayed in the small, stayed in the same town and just my addiction became worse because I was trying to deal with the things from him as well the abuse and then having three kids really close together and living in the same town with the stigma of my father and still after I married my husband um people would say things you know about him so he would come home and say so and so said oh my gosh how are you able to be married to her her dad is such a bad alcoholic and he he's having all these affairs with these married women and you know so I had all that to deal with also. So depression hit in really early and anxiety, which I didn't know at the time that I had, but I I recognize it now because I have it still, but I get, you know, I go to therapy and, and deal with it. So, yeah. Um, it was tough. So what was your, because I know you said it was mainly in the summers during school. Once school was done, what was your surgery schedule like and how much medicine were you taking? So for the first part of my life, um, until I probably turned probably 13, um, I had a surgery every summer to Mm -hmm. try to correct it and so I remember like okay I couldn't learn how to I didn't learn how to swim even until I was a teenager because you know every summer I was in a a cast and on crutches and you know it was 
they were long recoveries because every one of them they tried were a major, <laughs> a major fix. It wasn't just a small thing. So um, my childhood was, I went to school, but then I knew in the summer I was going to have another surgery because my mom was really strong-willed into trying to um, find a way to fix it. And, you know, it wasn't fixable. (laughs) It just finally, when I got old enough, I was able to make the decision that enough is enough. And if I don't stop the madness of one surgery after another, after another, after another, I'm going to die from my addiction. And so that's kind of where I got. And I actually went in to the doctor and said he'd mentioned a few surgeries previously um I think we need to do an amputation there really isn't much more that I can do to fix this but um I wanted to try a couple more things that were maybe possible because losing my leg was something that (laughs) at that point I was couldn't handle with everything else and so um I did two major surgeries more and they failed and so then I finally just said okay I'm done I I either have to get rid of the leg and the pain and start healing from the addiction because it it was just all connected so during once you graduated high school going back a little bit and you were married were you working during this time Um, I worked yes I worked at a local um drive-in a local fast food place as all and at first and then um I ended up getting really interested in doing medical medical records you know that type of thing so I worked at a local nursing home for um probably 10 years doing the medical records there and so while my kids were growing up um that's where I worked I did that um at the nursing home so so at what age did you realize that you had an an issue with drugs oh my goodness um early 20s actually while my kids were little um me sorry yeah I I didn't think that it was as bad as it was I thought oh I can get through whatever is hurting because I was given medicine pretty easily at that point because things were different back then. And, um, but when my prescription was done, then I became aware of, Hmm, I need to find more. I need to find a way to get more medicine when the doctor stopped and so um living in a small town I knew maybe who might have pain medicine (laughs) and this is a horrible part of my addiction process but I would go and 
find a way to take some of their medicine. So. What kind of things would you do to take their medicine? Like I would go to visit and say I needed to use the bathroom and look in the medicine cabinet. If there were any prescriptions in there, I would take a few pills so that I thought in my brain that it wasn't going to be noticed. So, and that just kept going. I got more brave, brave or stupid or whatever. I, I would actually know that someone had had a procedure and I would get in their purse hopefully not to get caught but I would actually get in this someone's purse open the prescription bottle and take medicine pain pills out of it Hmm. and at that point you know it it's so weird to describe because I knew what the repercussions could be from that if they would have caught me but the need to have the medicine was stronger than the risk yeah were they always pain pills you were taking yes i didn't ever i didn't move into like um anything stronger other than alcohol um than the pain medicine and i'm i'm thankful for that i guess because i didn't really get you know any in it in any deeper than that but they were yes they were always oh sorry sorry Oops. okay you got to click a button to turn your video back on. Should be on the bottom of the screen. Okay. There you are. <laughs> anyway, um, trying to set my phone up so it won't fall again. So, yes, um, it was just the pain medicine and the alcohol. But... Okay. There you go. So, um, I really messed up um, raising my kids. Um, I thought I was doing okay with that, but, you know, I was self-medicating so much. Yeah, I was going to ask, what age did you start with the alcohol? Um, I started drinking in high school, you know, we just would have like parties and stuff like that. So started that and I look back now because I had the tendency to be an alcoholic from my father, you know, and, but at that point it was all just fun. You know, it was like. Another way to numb the pain that I felt that I didn't realize what it was at that point when I was that young. So um, I'd say probably 16 or so when I started drinking. Oh, so you were real young. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, we'd have these parties that we'd go to and you know bonfires and just this small town stuff and it was like everybody did it it wasn't like really a bad thing at that point um and at that point before you know I was a little bit older before I really started doing, you know, stealing and taking people's medicine. 
So drinking was just something we did. <laughs> so when do you finally in your life recognize that you have a problem and start seeking help? Oh my goodness. This is so crazy because probably in my I had my amputation when I was like 45 and I realized then I went through my whole life up to that point just living in the madness of the addiction and I basically decided to have my amputation to save my you know, to save myself and get on the, the path of recovery. And, and so it was after that, that I recovered from the, from the amputation that I went into rehab for the first time. And I ended up going two more times after that. Um, I came out the last time and I had a, a counselor, which I started seeing, which I hadn't done the other two times, which I'm not sure why that they didn't say, you need to see a counselor. And he was really good. He helped me a ton. And um, that's, I started on the road of what I thought was my recovery but um it was it was after that it was like a roller coaster you know I didn't really I could say I totally got a grip with it all and probably only five years ago so sad because I'm 57 years old so it it consumed me like that much of my life yeah it sounds like a quote-unquote lifetime Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely and I thought okay you know I'll get the amputation and then I will be okay but then I started like I got divorced and I lived, I moved to a different town and um, it started out being more the alcohol at that point than the pills that I chose. But, um, you know, I moved to pills again. I would say, uh I'm in so much pain. I would go to the emergency room. You know, it was lying about that and to get the medicine. And then I start, I, I started um, smoking marijuana, which was the least of my problems as far as what I was doing but it just it just all fit into the whole nightmare and i became super depressed and my kids knew what i was doing but i i lied so much i lied like i was a good liar i thought <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> when it comes right down to it so um yeah, I just lost relationships with my kids. I had a granddaughter that I wasn't able to see. But being in the in the strong part of my addiction, I thought, you know, that's what mattered is like numbing myself 
not that I was losing my family, not that I couldn't see my granddaughter. It was more important to me to just numb the pain. And so until I got into, you know, my good counselor and realized what was behind it, um, there was the underlying thing that I was dealing with. And um, once we started working through that, then I started on my way to a recovery that I could keep. So what is life like you now? Uh, what is life like for you nowadays? Life is, I, I, I'm recovered. I have not had any addiction issues for probably four or five years, but life is still tough. It's a daily, it's a daily battle. It is. It comes into, whenever anything hard comes up, or I think, I'm going to face or I know I'm going to face something tough. It's the first thing that pops into my mind. You know, it's probably always going to be there and um, time and therapy and owning my addiction has totally helped. But there's still days that I think, like, mm, I could just numb myself and disappear again. You know, boy, that would be a good thing. And I just feel like it's a, I put this curse kind of on myself that no, you know, no matter what, um, no matter what day or what hard issue comes that's in my brain and it it comes it comes out and it's there it's my demon that I have to fight every you know single day and um oh my gosh that's the hardest part now I think I wish I could go back and and totally change so many things where I wasn't, now I'm not stuck in this nightmare. <laughs> I'm not sure as time goes by, I get stronger and I'm able to like resist, you know, the the feelings that pop in my head, but years have passed and they, and it's still like an addict's brain. I, I feel like. I've done a lot of research on it and that, and it changes your chemistry in your brain. And that has not cleared up for me. And I, I hope it does. I don't know if it will, but I have um, a lot of more coping skills and, you know things that I do when I recognize that's coming so that's good coping skills are important they are my last question for you is do you have any advice for anyone that might be watching or listening yes um Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm preaching if I say too much, but the advice would be, and this sounds so simple, but don't, don't go down that path. But if you do go down that path, um, get into rehab early, make sure you have a good counselor, um, make sure you have a a support system 
of people that you can call and say, hey, I am really, you know, I'm really ready to start using again. And I need, um, I need you to talk me through it. Um, I didn't have all that until later on in my life. And that has helped me be able to fight through it. But um, find out the underlying conditions. I've learned that as well. You know, you don't just go out and choose to have an addiction. This is my Selena 101 anyway. Um, there's an underlying reason. Mine was depression. Mine was um, trauma. Mine, you know, there is something there underlying that is that causes you to need to escape. And so my advice would be search out what that is. Go to a counselor, go to, you know, when you go to rehab, dig deep and find out what, what the underlying cause is because there is one for all of us. Sounds good. That is great advice. So is there anything else that you wanted to add before we get going? Um, like I say, be kind to yourself. Um, realize that it's a medical, it's a condi- a medical condition. Our brains change and You know, we're not these horrific, horrible people. We have, we are addicts and um, we can recover and we can live great, normal lives. But forget, try to forget the stigma that's associated with it from other people. You have to be strong and you have to like kind of shelter yourself from that. You can't, you have to be okay with who you are each day because if you put too much pressure on yourself, you're going to relapse. And so I've had to learn the hard way to be like, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. If I feel like I'm super depressed on a certain day, then I deal with that. But I don't, I don't have to, um, use something to make it go away because I feel like I've got to be normal. Everyone else is out smiling and happy. You know what I mean? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm feeling like I can barely get out of bed. So you, it's my thing is if I could give any advice that give yourself some grace and remember on certain days, it's okay to not be okay. You you do what you need to, you take care of yourself, but you don't have to use substances or mask what you're feeling, just take care of yourself in positive ways. And you will, and you can learn that. I, I have certain things that I do, but everyone's different, but yeah. Um, Basically, don't hate yourself. Stop that because all that does is pushes you back into your addiction. That it does. So let's wrap it up there. I think I just want to thank you for coming on today. No, thank you. I hope it helps someone. It certainly will. I have people that message me that say, because you know, a lot of people connect to these stories. 
they hear something and they go, I've been there, I've done that. And then they realize they're not alone. Yeah. Oh, you're not alone and you're not a monster and you're not uh, this horrible person that you feel like society thinks that you are. You can be a great grandma, mom, husband, wife. Um, it, you know, I guess um, to end it real quick, um, this counselor that I have that really helped me get past it said, you're not your addiction. You know, it's not who you are. It is part of your story, but you're not this, you're not your addiction. So I would tell everyone that love yourself give yourself grace and um, find your higher power or whatever works for you because you need something. You can't do it by yourself. And I would give that advice. But other than that, I, I love, I just love, I love my fellow recovering addicts or addicts. I think we are the strongest people on this earth and to overcome it, like you're badass. I'll leave mm -hmm. it at that. That is an absolute awesome statement. You are badass. People don't realize what we go through. Absolutely. And they're so judgmental, but to pull yourself out of an addiction is like, yeah, you're freaking a badass there's no other way to say it but i i feel that way and i am proud of people that i know that have been able to overcome it it's it's amazing so anyway thank you thank you thank you all right awesome so for everyone listening and watching if you like what you heard and saw go below and give us a like also subscribe to see when we upload new videos you can check us out on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Um, if you go to our Facebook group page, you can find the events tab. And there you'll find all the information for the nightly Zoom meeting that we host. And that's all I have for today. So until next time. Bye.